Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So this is a conversation that we've been meaning to have for a while because I'm absolutely fascinated by it. I think we're living in a little bit of an age of I take full responsibility, I apologize. But uh, but whether there's a lot of depth or meaning behind that is a whole different story. And particularly with everybody having maybe been forced to apologize for many things, some of which they uh, need to apologize for, some of which maybe they're only apologizing for in order just not to offend anyone. And it was interesting because we were speaking earlier about the situation in Spain where the head of the soccer union kissed the head, the the, uh, the captain of the women's soccer team on the lips. And what happened there was he, well, he certainly didn't apologize and ultimately has been forced to resign that, that position. And we were talking about the fact from a PR perspective, I mentioned that in a story like this, the most important thing to do is get it out of the front page. Had he resigned immediately, it would no longer be a story. The fact that he still hasn't resigned and now it's being asked to and it's dragged on means that it stays in the press and it becomes a bigger and bigger and ongoing story. Uh, Perhaps if he just apologized, stepped aside, the whole thing would be over. But what does that really mean? Is that really causing uh, us to be almost disingenuous in how we behave on social media? It is not simple at all, which is why I've asked Bronwyn Williams, a futurist and an economist and a business trend analyst to join me in this conversation. Bronwyn, good morning. How are you doing? Great, thanks. And yourself? I am well, thank you. So it's it's really fascinating to watch now because we are living in a very different world to what we were living in. And everything is out there for us to see. Yeah, I think this apology sort of story or, or issue is not necessarily a brand new thing that is a, sort of a symptom or a a result of our social media, everything online culture. I mean, like there's probably some of your listeners old enough to remember the likes of Richard Nixon apologizing mm. very publicly, right? Mm. I mean, mm. like this has been part of the part of the public figure playbook or press playbook. I mean, it goes back to the days of sort of Edward Bernays and his propaganda, right? It's all about design to play on to certain emotions and to, of course, advance or at least protect or try salvage the career of whatever public figure is performing that apology. How authentic they can be any p- apology that's performed in a public domain after a perhaps private or something else that you didn't necessarily want mm, to be publicized mm. as an actual crime should be taken with a pinch of salt. It's clearly designed from a public relations perspective in order to garner some sort of response. But I do think what is perhaps the the more sort of contemporary evolution of this would have to do with the, the likes of so-called cancel culture, which nobody actually gets cancelled by. Like getting cancelled is actually a catastrophe your career, right? You upset some people, mm-hmm. you get a lot of press, all publicity is good publicity. And as part of sort of playing that sort of cancel culture, PR, media and attention flywheel, the apology is part of that cycle, right? You know, so you go out, you be brave, you push the line as far as you can, you overstep the line, you tow back a little bit from the line and you continue on. And honestly, if you could look back in time, as much as you say about these people who keep their both their crimes and their their, their penance sort of very public in the public sphere, they don't seem to in the long run actually 
these outmatched, it seems, that actually being cancelled, being publicly shamed, doing public apologies in the long run is pretty good for your career because we live in this culture where we need entertainment all the time and we, we like the, the fall as much as the rise and quite frankly we get tired of people who are only on the right side of history. We quite like our heroes to be anti-heroes too. And we're looking for entertainment more than we're actually looking for authenticity in the people that we follow and the people we give our attention to. That's the game, the attention game. The game is to garner as much attention as possible. That's what you get rewarded from in terms of views, in terms of likes, in terms now of downright money, with the likes of what's happened to the app formerly known as Twitter, mm-hmm. our X, where you can mm-hmm. see that attention is becoming very explicitly monetized, which is something I've spoken and written about quite a lot. And uh, in the attention game, all attention, just like all publicity, is good attention because that's the that's the currency of our clicks, our feeds, our algorithms. So that's probably an indictment on us. We get more of what we what we pay attention in, in, in to. Other words, we love it from us. Yes, in other words, the outrage the outrage feeds our algorithm. It feeds our emotion on some level that makes us forget the dreary and drab life that we are living while we sit in traffic and experience load shedding. So all of this stuff is exactly what we what we live for instead of, I don't know, maybe as we would have gone off to church on a Sunday and come back with the most unbelievable gossip because somebody was wearing the wrong hat. Uh, today we're just getting that same fix from from social media. Yeah, and in the past, I suppose, in the, the sort of pre-attention era, which was not that long ago, it wasn't living memory, being shamed was career-ending. I find that the simplest sort of analogy to explain this to people would be what happened with politicians, where in the 1940s or 50s, if you were even rumored to be immoral or having an affair, it would be sort of career-ending. You would not be eligible for election. Whereas now we're quite happy to elect uh, both sort of very publicly happy to be very misogynistic politicians to global positions, but also happy to elect people who have great claims hanging over their heads. We are more interested in the drama, in the story, in the entertainment than we are in actual credibility or value. So I think this is both a reflection of the audience and the performer. And it should be noted that any sort of public apology is a performance, a performance art that done well gets, gets our attention. And I think that's an indictment on us as society that we prefer to be entertained than to have role models to look up to. But what, you, but, but, but what you're saying is that it's more about the entertainment value than it is about uh, any anything substantive in terms of apologies. So a yes, lot of exactly. the time we, but do we do we are we fooled? Or do we somehow know that this is just uh, this is this is just choreographed, and we, that that we are being manipulated on some level? I don't think that we're fooled, but at the same time, we do demand our apology. We do demand the groveling. This is what the crowd wants, right? The crowd wants the humbling of the of the person so they can build them up again later and be part of that resurrection story. Right. Right. So it is necessary. So it is. So I'm not saying it's not necessary that the performer performs the public apology, but rather that it must be seen as exactly that. It's a performance ritual almost. It's sort of a new, a new, um, professional kind of um, scapegoating kind of performance that we have. Only it's a sort of fake scapegoating because it's not a final, it's just, a, just one point on a cycle that's going to continue. Very, very interesting. The, is, does it differ? Do we treat politicians differently to how we treat celebrities, or are they now all 
the same. Ah, that's an interesting point. They're all celebrities. I mean, look at look at who's being elected into into political office across the world. I mean, we had Trump that was literally a reality TV star, and we have Zelensky on the sort of right side of history, as people are saying right now, who's also literally a comedian that was elevated into the, the highest public offices. We had Reagan in the 80s. I mean, this has been a long-time trend. Back to the Future movie, of course, mocked that horribly because that was an idea that was very alien in the 1950s. By the time you got to the 80s, it was very explicit that we were we had blurred the lines between entertainment and authority and that we were optimizing for attention and feeling and spectacle rather than for any sort of credibility in terms of the people that we follow. I mean, there's a reason we use follow on social media. The same way we use follow for for leadership roles, right? So we have blurred those ideas quite nicely. And even here in South Africa, you know, it can be, we can joke about this with our friends and family, but it is, there's a grain of truth in the fact that what we might not get in terms of efficacy, in terms of service delivery, we certainly get our money for, for entertainment on Parliament TV and in the, in the tabloids where our politicians run on the red carpet, literally dressing up for us in Cape Town every year, right? We elect so, celebrities, we it, elect entertainers yeah, rather than people to lead and serve us. It's so true because even though politicians are here uh, to serve and uh, <laughs> at our behest, we still treat them with the reverence that we do, um, regular, normal types of celebrities, as you say, that they, they've just simply become that, which is really so, so fascinating. So, so what does this mean? Somebody does something wrong They've got to now go out and, and apologize. Is there a way to do it and is there a way not to do it? Well, as long as, as long as the performance is entertaining enough, you will be forgiven by your audience. I mean, I, I've unreal. read a lot of these sort of op-eds that talk about how it's not credible enough for them to say the right words. We are yes. talking about a sort of performance scripture. We're not talking about authenticity. You'll be forgiven or at least, uh, you will be given back your position within society if you perform the rituals accordingly. You know, you have to show the right amount of emotion, you have to say the right sort of words. It is all very ritual-based, and we know that it's false because no public apology is an apology. Apology is a personal thing that you do for the person that you have offended. And sort of a general apology to grand society for offending a particular person or minority group is certainly not apologizing to the person or minority group that you actually offended or hurt or wounded. You're doing this to everyone else, so it's very much a public perception performance. But you will be it's forgiven, art. It's art and you will and be vindicated if you perform the right according to what our new rituals Unbelievable. Bronwyn Williams, futurist economist and business trend analyst, talking to us about apologies and celebrities. Fascinating. 8.57, good morning.